Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to start with a thanks to our sponsor, Bowden. Bowden Skincare is a black-owned skincare line created for black and brown skin, as I shared last week. And what I've really been enjoying actually are their face masks. So they actually have two face masks, first being the Glow Hydrating Mask, which delivers intense moisture, brightens for a youthful glow, and soothes and calms. This is gentle enough to be used every day as it's like kind of like a little jelly mask. And I've enjoyed using this as a part of my night routine, kind of having a moment for myself to kind of take deep breaths um, and enjoy kind of basking in the moment. The other mask is the clear skin clay mask that I've been enjoying like usually once or twice a week. And it's good for taking care of breakouts, eliminating excess oil, and cleaning and closing pores, which I really want to speak to as someone who struggles with pores, um, especially like around my cheeks. I've really enjoyed the clay mask and handling the pore situation on my face. And so I've been enjoying the Bolden Skincare line and I want to thank our sponsors again for their support. And hopefully you want to give them a try because they've created this entire line for us. They also are offering a 20% off coupon code for you all. So use the code black and in grad 20 for 20% off. That's BLK plus IN grad 20. You can use this code on their website. That's boldenusa.com. That's B-O-L-D-E-N-U-S-A.com. Thanks again to Bolden for sponsoring today's episode. And let's get on with the show. Hey, y'all, it's Alante, and you're listening to Black and in Grad School, the podcast that helps women and people of color like you excel in this journey. If you're listening, I believe you are an aspiring or current scholar who wants to successfully navigate this process by sharing my experience while pursuing my PhD and interviewing other black graduate students or early career professionals. It is my hope that you can glean encouragement, advice, and strategies that you can apply to your journey. Thanks for listening. All right, so this week's episode is not your normal episode at all, y'all, like at all. Uh, I sat down with Dr. Langston Clark. He is a PhD um, and also another Aggie, went to North Carolina A&T as well, the creator of a group called A&T to PhD, uh, and also just an all-around really like solid guy. We connected, you know, through social media um, and he has been a part of my extended support system and network ever since. 
Just so you have like some context around it, Langston is an assistant professor at the University of Texas at San Antonio. The College of Education and Human Development is where he is home. That's his home uh, college. He completed his PhD in curriculum and instruction with a concentration in physical education, teacher education. Um, he also did his MA at the Ohio State University in adaptive physical education, and he has his BS in physical education from North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. Um, his research looks at um, the training of Black teachers at HBCUs from the perspective of public, of, excuse me, of physical education, and he also looks at Black history and sports and the intersection of athletics, race, and education. So, Langston is absolutely um, a force and. Literally, when we sat to record, you know, I was planning to interview him and he's like, you know, how's it going? We have our regular like little bit of conversation. He's like, man, just press record. Right. And so this is what you all are going to hear <laughs> as we're just like having a conversation about this grad school journey, you know, and him imparting wisdom and advice. So I hope you enjoy it again, different format than usual, but I think really, really good. All right. I hate writing I, and I'm trying to, I typically say like I'm working on my relationship with writing, but like right now I yeah. am not into it. I need to do more and I'm trying to like give myself a schedule and, you know, I, I try to keep up with it. It's just like, even when I sit down and write, it is just the quality yeah. or the amount is not what it needs to be. Yeah. And that was before COVID and, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, everything else going on with all of the police um, shootings, like before that, it just wasn't where it needed to be. And I had to have a come to Jesus with myself and my advisor also had to come to Jesus with me. So it's kind of crazy right now, honestly. Yes. And I don't feel pulled to do better. I mean, I'm trying, but it's, I mm-hmm. just feel like I'm, 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 what's the word? I'm just, uh, geez, what's the, um, it's like I'm on a hamster wheel, you know, I'm not really mm. going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. When you say your writing isn't what it used to be, I think that's what you said. Do you mean to. like where it needs to be? Do you mean the quality or the quantity? I mean both for real. Okay. And like, I want to tell me again mm-hmm. what your what your field is. Sure. So I um I'm in a, a I'm in engineering. I'm a civil engineer and engineering public policy and Yeah. My work looks at shared autonomous vehicles, integrated. That's right. Vehicles. You making transformers? That's right. Okay, I remember. <laughs> kind of. Okay. Not right. exactly. More so, making sure that if we are going to have this type of technology in our on our streets, like it needs to be, um, it needs to be equitable, and that's the yeah. that's the value add that I you know really focus on is how do we make sure this is equitable that everyone yeah. is having access to the benefits and the the disadvantages that that's also equitably distributed um amongst uh transportation network so Mm -hmm. that's what i do mostly and you're you're from detroit right correct yes okay yeah and my name is a car Mm -hmm. wait that's right it is (laughs) okay all right cars on on cars say it one more time I said cars on cars on cars. Right. Okay. All right. So the first thing is, is like, 
I, I'm, I, I guess I'm a social, I'm in the social sciences. I don't know what education is. I think I'm a social scientist. Maybe. I believe that is also how people view it. I believe Yeah. That. Okay. Um, and so I think sometimes in the social sciences and the education fields, a, a lot of times, and I'm not saying this about everybody, that there's, with, with some Black scholars, there's like, oh, I don't want to do quant research. Right? I don't want to do stats. I don't want to do the numbers because so much of that type of research has been, has been used against us that we don't see how it could be used for us. So we automatically just, we don't engage with it in the ways that we should. And so sometimes like we're more apt to, to do the writing, right? The theory work or, you know, the qualitative research, which is really good too, mm-hmm. that, that we, that we, we don't dive into that thing that that we don't like or we're afraid of and so like my suggestion to you with the writing or my suggestion to anybody who's averse to stats and math or whatever it is is like just do it like you like it like it doesn't like in some ways it doesn't matter if you like it just do it like you like it because once you get good at it you learn how to use it in a way that is you know for equity like for your long-term goal then then you'll get better at it and you need to know those type of things because you need to be aware of how it can be used against you right so we can't we can't shy away from certain things um yeah and i think like i don't know what it is in the sciences but i've i've heard some scholars in education say that it's not you're not doing research you're doing me search right so here you are a scientist from detroit right motown motor city we, we know autonomous cars are coming, right? We know that Detroit has, has its issues with equity and Black communities in particular. So what yeah. you're doing, right, like what you're doing is me-search, right? And I think if you frame it that way, like this work is not just a part of like a dissertation. It's not part of, you know, getting articles to get publications. It's, it's the long game in terms of the impact I'm going to have on society. So, like, if you frame it that way, like, I think you, you, your motivation might change. Um, I, yeah, I think you make a great point. And I want to ask you, you know, when you take your advice of, like, but it's very, right now, I don't, I don't see it. Like, it's very, it's very hard to see where my work is going to be worthwhile. I think because I just feel like my, my scholarly productivity is not to the level where I could actually make an impact. Like that's legit how I'm feeling right now. If we're just being a hundred percent candid. Yeah. But you're still in school. But I don't even think, I don't feel like it's really even to the level of where I should be at right now. Right. But who, who told you that? <sighs> Nobody has said it, but I, I mean, I feel like it's been said kind of around the way, like, well, at this point, you should be able to think more independently. Yeah. Um, but if you need help, we can help you. Like, that's kind of the types of things I've heard. Or like, you know, by now, typically people have this many papers or that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm still like literally right now. I just got I'm on the second rounds of revisions for my first manuscript that yeah. I think my advisor thought was going to. I started like, you know, when I started my program. He anticipated it taking us like six months. It took me like 
a year to write that paper. My second yeah. paper, I have yet to get it published. Like I, the first time I, the first time I sent it out, it got rejected, and I've been yeah. kind of hoarding it low key for the last mm. year now. Yeah. Um, and like trying to make progress, but also hit a wall with that, like with the coding. Yeah. And I'm and <laughs> I just feel like I'm just telling you everything. And mm-hmm. I'm in an internship right now. So I'm not yeah. even technically doing my research research. I have like a full blown nine to five. And yeah. then I have to spend time in my evenings trying to get make some progress yeah. um on this paper. And it's just like and I, I was doing the internship to get more skills, but I'm I found out today I am I am I am out of my league with that. Like with the, legit. In, with the internship? Yes. I do not have the skill. I can build it, but it's going to take me a little bit of time to get the skill set to do even what they yeah. want me to do. Yeah. So I just feel like I'm drowning in, in adequacy right now. Yeah. I th- But you know, I think in grad school, that's like part of it. It's just it's it's part of it, and and no one's no one's sort of like development as a scholar or a scientist is the same. Um, you you will you will ultimately reach a point. Most people will reach a point in grad school where they feel like, man, everybody else is better than me. Um, but you'd be surprised at how many people admire the things that you're doing and they haven't they haven't told you yet like there's other graduate students where you are who who are who admire you i'm not going to say jealous i don't think they're jealous of you they admire you um and there's also something to be said about there's there's kind of like what i'm going to say two different things that might contradict themselves one there's something to be said about like i have a really good mentor named darren roberts at ut austin and his thing is Stay in the deep end. And that's that's kind of like where you are. Like you're in a deep end, maybe for the first time. And the further along you go in your career, the deep end gets deeper. Like it doesn't get more shallow. It gets harder every step. So like if you're in a place where things are hard or they feel like they're too hard, you might be where you're supposed to be. Now, sometimes things can be too hard. You might be doing too much. But to some extent, like there's there's this level of uncomfortability that you should be at. Um, on the other on the other hand, there's a politics to being in graduate school. Um, you you at where you at? You at Carnegie Mellon? Is that where you at? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So you at like a big time research school, right? Where I went to graduate school, UT Austin was a big time research school, mm-hmm. and so the people at these institutions at these tier one institutions, these people are scholars and scientists and their focus is really narrow. So oftentimes like they don't get like, why are you doing a podcast? Why are you doing an internship? And I don't know if the internship is part of like your program, what you're supposed to be doing. Like why are you doing this other stuff? Like you need to be in the lab. And I would say in your relationship with your advisor, and this is for not just you, but for anybody. If your advisor tells you to do something, 9.9 times out of 10, you should do it. So if your advisor tells you you're doing too much, you need to stop. And, it, and you might not be doing too much, right? 
But that relationship that you have with your advisor is key because some people, this, this is what happens, right? Most, most advisors who are having issues with their students aren't going to come up to you and say, hey, we got this issue, this issue, and this issue, and I need you to do this, this, and this because I'm concerned. Like sometimes they'll do that, right? Actually, I think most of them would, would do that if it's like first level and they're concerned. So, and like, they'll give you the warning when they're concerned, but they're only going to tell you so many times, right? And at some point, they're either going to tell you directly, which most people, most people won't, that like, I'm done working with you, or they'll, they'll just, they'll let you go. Mm-hmm. Like That's what I'm afraid. I, I think that I'm getting, I don't think I'm there, but I think I'm, I, I feel like I'm getting kind of close and that's why I'm nervous. Yeah. You, you might need to. It's not, there's been no comment about the podcasting. There's definitely been comments about like me doing a lot of like other stuff, like presentations and stuff like that. Like I could say no more. Um, but that yeah. was like it. And I have, I have been saying no more. And then the COVID happened, which like really helped cancel and kind of clean my plate of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just do what your advisor tells you to do. Because most of, most of the time, most of the time, I think that's where people have issues with their advisor. And I think we have like sometimes false expectations of what the role of the advisor is because sometimes they're not your mentor. Sometimes right. they're just your advisor. Sometimes they're not going to invite you over to the house for dinner. They're not going to like, you know, they're, they're not going to invite you to house sit for them while they go on a conference. But part of the reason why they're, they're letting you house sit is so that you can eat all the food in their refrigerator because they know it's hard on graduates. Like, that's not, that's not everybody doesn't take that role. Um, and sometimes the advisor role is, is strictly, it's business. Like, let's get this work done. Mm-hmm. So it's, graduate students, I think, sometimes get it wrong where they feel like, their advisor isn't doing the work to have the relationship that they want with them. But it's in part the graduate student's responsibility to endear themselves to the, to, to the advisor. Like, it's almost like you got to learn their love language. You got to learn, learn their, their academic love language. Um, and I don't have a taxonomy for that yet or anything. Um, so don't nobody take that. But when I figure it out, I'm going to put it in a book. You got to find your, your advisor's love language and, and do what they say. Um, and so my go ahead. No, no, I'm listening. I'm listening. No, go. I'm listening. It was like I recognized that I didn't have the the language for it, but I feel like I recognized that last year, and I did. I spent like a couple. I had like a couple of coffees with like his old, like people, his senior, his more senior students, or like some other people who were like new postdocs that were coming back to campus that worked under him, and I'm like. You know, like when he says this, what does he mean? Like, I just felt like there was a almost a language barrier because like the way that he was like articulating what was going on that I was like, I, okay, I feel like I'm missing something in our conversation. And I was, you know, literally trying to like find out like, what is it? What is his angle? You know, kind of so that I can align myself better with it. And I just, I, I do still feel very much so lost in that, but, um, how do you have any advice for like going about figuring that out? 
Is your was your advisor white? Is a white dude, Asian dude? What? What? What is he? I have three white male advisors. You got three advisors? I'm in a joint PhD program, so I'm in two oh. different programs. So one, there's one in one that's in both that has like an appointment in both. One that has an appointment in one, one has an appointment right. in the other. Okay. So so here's the thing. I think you have to. I think I think you need to figure out what the role of each advisor is in your academic journey. Like okay, one of them. Okay. All right. Yeah. What are their roles? What are their roles? So um, I'm going to call advisor number one. That's my main advisor. And so mm-hmm. there's a person I talk to about ideas, mm-hmm. um, like bounce ideas off of him. And then like he can go like, I'd say second level, right? We can do big picture, second level, like structure the, of the paper, like mm-hmm. the arguments we're making. Advisor number three is totally only he's he's the best at ideas and then editing like but his edits are also still like mostly high level. He's not the one who does the granular work. Yeah. Whereas advisor two, I would say is like semi granular, like he's the one who look at my, um, you know, papers as will advisor one. Advisor one will look at papers two. And um, and I think those are two like, you know, redlining the work. Um, or like yeah. going through it, not redlining. So, so advisor one is definitely like the main one, and then two comes in when it's time to do more like administrative stuff, and then like publication, like helping me finesse the paper, like like I mean, um, not finesse, but finish the finish the paper, polish the paper, yeah. and then advisor three is um the kind of big ideas. He's the one who's like, that's too much for a paper. You know, this is enough. Or this is sufficient to for a submission for a paper like that's yeah. Bro. So okay, I I mean to hear that you have three. I, there are people out here who would kill to have three advisors because there are people with advisors that feel like they have no advisement. Right? They just there yeah. are people in academia right now in grad school that don't actively have like a real advisor. I mean, they got yeah. someone that tells them what classes to take, but they ain't getting advised. Like you're in a really good situation. Um, I think I think overall, although it is like there, there may be some cultural issues and some gender issues there for sure, like of those three advisors, I mean, those three advisors at the minimum could equal one great advisor. Exactly. You know what I mean? I know, I know that. And I feel like I'm not taking advantage of it. You know what I mean? Like maximizing. I wouldn't even say optimizing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Alante, you you might just you might be doing too much, and I know we're on the podcast, but the podcast might need to take a break for a little while. Like, there's a point in graduate school, there's a point in graduate school where the only thing you do is the research. I I don't I genuinely don't think I could be happy. I'm like I'm not joking. Yeah. Like, I like my research and I think it's really important. I do. I think it's very important and I enjoy doing uh-huh. research. Um, but I have never felt like my job could be the one thing that fulfills me. I've never felt that way. Okay. So this is temporary. This is temporary. I am not advocating for any for you or anybody else to become the narrowly focused scholar or scientist who gives up other aspects of their life that make them whole. Yeah. Because that's problematic, right? 
that's 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 problematic in a whole other way, right? We see, and you might you might see this where you are, right? We see some black scholars who go to black scholars and scientists who are so focused on their work, they wind up at some very prestigious schools, um, have very prestigious careers, but they're still so unhappy, right, and bitter. Yeah. Um, and you don't you don't want to become that person. Exactly. But there, there there is a segment of graduate school where your focus is just is just narrowed in on the work and it's temporary and i think that part of the graduate school process um that's a that's a that's a growth point because then when you get into your academic job or if you go into industry like it's easier for you to get the same the same quality and quantity of work that you did in that isolation now when you have other things going on in your life because you learn how to manage it, you know? I had a great time in graduate school. Uh, I, I hope, I don't want to say this because it's, it, it, it could be blasphemous, but in some ways, my social life at UT Austin, a predominantly white institution, was better than my social life at a and Ooh, that um, but we gonna we gonna listen and learn. <laughs> but I, and I, I'm just listen. It's just not. It's it's be, and I was in a very I was in a very special environment for me. And I wish I wish that everyone had this environment. But it it was like you you know okay so you had the thing at South by Southwest EDU right. Mm-hmm. So after South by Southwest EDU is South by Southwest. So me and my homeboy Martin who was in grad school with me. Um. We would get up during the daytime, I would say probably like from 10 o'clock to about three o'clock, we would go to the library at UT and we would work, okay? Then we would go home, chill, eat. Then I say from about seven o'clock to about two o'clock in the morning, like we out on the streets doing South by Southwest. So it, 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 it was balanced, right? We had like house parties at people's houses, like... We was going on Sixth Street. We would go to concerts. We would get, you know, we got, I got spoiled. But even in that, like when you get to a certain point in your dissertation research, some days it's just you. Yeah. Some days it's just you. And so like what, what I think you'll have to figure out and what I think some other graduate students need to figure out is how do they, how do they, how do they cut back on some of the things that they like to do socially and strategically build in the time to do the research? Because, and I also think goal setting is really good because it's like, yo, once you hit a goal, like you feel good about it. Yeah. Like once, once that first paper comes through, listen, that's all you need. You just need that first one. Ooh, it's taking forever. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. That's, but okay. So have your advisors put you on papers with them? No, that's what they. You need to ask them to get on the paper with them, so that they show you like this is how it's done, and you're like second or third author or fifth author. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing that I I do like. Sometimes feel like I was supposed to come in this program like kind of ready made. You know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. I'm especially. So here's the thing: like, um, when I was at A and T, I I never did any of the writing, so I'm like fifth sixth author on like, mm-hmm. like six papers you know mm. so of course that looks super good on a yeah. application but yeah 
that is no ind- indication of my writing ability. You know what I mean? Like I like I think that my advisor saw that and said, okay, well, she's published. I'm like, well, if you count, you know, <laughs> I was doing like an undergrad researcher does the experiments. I didn't yeah. do any analysis. You know, I didn't do any, any thought provoking. I didn't come up with the conclusions. I did the analysis in the, yeah. in the work. I feel like I have tried to do my like reading books of how to like publish. Um, yeah. Which, like also is hard because they're boring. Like if I'm yeah. being just i i don't even feel like sometimes i know what to ask and i say that a lot like you know i'm not even really sure what to ask y'all right now grad school is is and i i don't i, I don't know who all your audience is you might have people who are interested in going to graduate school yeah it's, so it runs I, the gamut so i'm and i'm not trying to scare anybody away this this thing that you're going through it's 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 difficult um there's no, there's no doubts about it, um, and it is, it is a rigorous experience that that a lot of people are even just afraid to try to do. And Alante, you're at like a legit like school of engineers and scientists and all of that. So the fire that you're experiencing, it's 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 normal. You know, it's it's hard, but it it's it's normal. And so I think I think with the writing, the thing the thing that I did, like so, just to add context, right? I'm I'm not supposed to have a PhD. I'm supposed to be a kindergarten physical education teacher, and I I was a physical physical education major at A and T. I'm physical education all the way through, from A and T to PhD. I'm physical education, not physics education, physical education. Like I didn't like get into like my field because I wanted to be super intellectual and right. Like I literally chose PE because I didn't want to wear a suit mm. in high school. That was my motivation. And the thing about the writing is you just do it. You just, it's almost like in some ways I, I've gotten to the point now where I just submit, I just submit. You know, I just I just send the article because the people that give you the best feedback are actually the reviewers. Mm. They give you better feedback than your advisor because it's 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 like a weird thing. And it gets it gets better and worse once you're on the other side. When I say other side, like once you've graduated, because once you've graduated, all your mentors and advisors that used to like edit your work really good, they stopped doing that. And so mm. it's like now it's like, OK, think strategically. The people who are actually getting paid to review my work are the other academics and scientists who are doing the reviews. And the psychology behind editing someone's paper when you're the reviewer versus when you're their mentor or their student is totally different. It's totally different. And I don't care what they say, right? Whether you're in hard science or social science, it's at some point there's a level of subjectivity in all of the reviews. And so when you submit your papers, the, the reviewers are going to tell you what they want. It's like getting good instructions. Like they're going to say, they're going to say, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then once you do that, you just give it back. They give you some more feedback. Do this, do this, do this, this. Mm-hmm. And they just keep going back and forth until you get it done. They, the reviewers will make your writing better. 
The reviewers will make your science better. They will make your methods better. And so we get so afraid sometimes. We get so afraid of what reviewers are going to say in that initial rejection um, for fear that our writing may not be good enough or our ideas may not be good enough. But your best friend is the reviewer. Even if your stuff gets rejected, right, they still give you feedback. They still give you feedback. And if you get an outright rejection, just submit it to another journal. Because it's all subjective. Because what that journal might do is turn around and say, okay, it's not a reject. It's a revise and resubmit. And then you just do what they say. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way that you put that. And I need to embrace that more. And Mm -hmm. you know what? I just got like the second round of reviews for this first manuscript. And it's so funny. It's like, that's how I know. Wow, this is so crazy. Like I was looking, um, I was looking at the reviewer, the editor's comments, like the editor sent me comments and then the reviewer sent me comments as well. And the editor, like, I feel like the, the, the advice they gave me, like, I mean, kind of made me feel dumb, but in the same breath, it was like, this is what you need. And I'm like, let me take note of like what they're saying so that I will keep it in mind next time I'm writing. And I did kind of think like, why did my advisor say that? But, you know, um, I think that you kind of given me a better perspective. And now I'm kind of kicking myself in the butt for not submitting that other paper just somewhere else. Instead, I like I like tried to redo analysis, which is that's a whole that would take a whole other episode (laughs) to even talk about. But that was um like, I didn't even care about it getting, like, it was like, oh, you know, rejections are normal. Like, that doesn't, the rejection's not bothering me. It's the, like, I feel like I'm not making progress. But you are. I, th- I think what you want to avoid is, is getting the rejection or getting the revise and resubmit and letting it sit. Don't let it sit. Yeah. Send it, like, if it's a revise and resubmit, get that thing done. Like, prioritize that thing getting done in, like, a week and send it back. If it's a rejection, just take it and send it somewhere else immediately. And if it's a rejection, depending on, like, how long it takes, right, because you kind of got to manage the time frame here. I had a great mentor where I work right now tell me this. Shout out to Abraham DeLeon. He said, like, he's the one who told me at some level it's all subjective. So if you get outright rejection, submit it, submit it. Submit it again and do that three times. So three rejections. After you get three, three straight up rejections, look at all the feedback they gave you. And then use all the feedback they gave you after those three outright rejections and then make it better and then send it off again. I hope what you've heard so far has been helpful. I mean, Langston and I had a pretty lengthy conversation. So there's actually going to be a part two to our conversation in next week's episode. I want to thank Langston again for just taking time to talk to me and share his experiences, share his insight. I'll include his social media handles on um, in the show notes. And uh, one more thank you to our sponsors, Bold and Skincare. Follow them on Instagram. I also will include all the information, including the promo code in the show notes. All right, y'all until next week. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Blackin' in Grad School. For more content to help you on your grad school journey, check out blackingradschool.com. That's B-L-K-I-N gradschool.com.
Love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Until next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.